0: Bible verse is Malachi 1 2. I have loved you, says the Lord, but you ask, How have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord, yet I have loved Jacob. Life can feel discouraging, hard, and disappointing sometimes, can't it? We might know, at least intellectually, that God has promised to bring good from our pain, peace to our chaos, and joy to replace our seasons of sorrow. But in the day-to-day challenges and heartaches inherent with living in this broken and sin-ravished world, it can be difficult to hold tight to all of those hopeful promises. Unmet longings and unanswered prayers can make us bitter or make us stronger. They can weaken our faith or grow it. Ultimately, they can turn our hearts to God, the only one with the power to meet all of our needs and grant us the rich and satisfying life he promised. But they can motivate us to turn from him as well. By the time we reach Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, God's people had grown from hopeful to disappointed to disillusioned and finally rebellious. This is one reason scripture encourages us to guard our hearts and our thoughts with diligence because we're prone to deception, to false perceptions, and we're prone to filtering God's character through our circumstances and expectations rather than the other way around. And this appears to to be what had occurred with God's people, most specifically his priests, during the time in which God, through Malachi, the Old Testament prophet, spoke. This was probably about 100 years after God's children had returned from 70 years of captivity. If you caught our previous episodes on the verses from Ezra, then you probably know some of the history surrounding that event. After centuries of rebellion and idolatry, where wickedness and violence and oppression had gained prominence throughout the land, God's patience had finally reached its max. He was through watching his people destroy one another. He was through watching each generation grow more wicked, more violent and depraved than the one before. Therefore, the day of God's judgment had finally arrived, but not because God received pleasure in seeing his children suffer, quite the opposite. In fact, he loved them and he wanted to see them thrive. And so when the people disregarded his parental pleas, urging them to return to him. And when they responded to his extreme patience with contempt, he shifted to phase two in his Save Mankind campaign to consequences. Through the captivity, he allowed his people, in essence, to reap the destruction they had sown, but only for 70 years, after which he brought them back to their homeland, where, with God's blessing, they steadily and progressively rebuilt their city, God's temple, their homes, and their lives. Then God's newly repentant, hopeful people waited and waited and waited for God to fulfill his greatest promise yet, foreshadowed first in Genesis chapter three and reiterated numerous times in numerous ways throughout each generation that followed. And that was to bring the prophesied Messiah, their savior, the prince of peace who would rule with truth and justice, the one they believed would restore their nation to the glory that it had once held under King David, ancient Israel's second king. But then one year bled into two, then five, and then into 10 and beyond. And soon that generation of returned exiles died and God had yet to fulfill his promise. And with the passing of each decade, the people's faith and hope decreased, as did their commitment to their God until... By the time we reached the period during which God, through Malachi, spoke the words in today's verse, many people had grown disillusioned and apathetic, and the priests, those tasked with bridging the gap between their fellow countrymen and God, those tasked with modeling a life of obedience and faith, they'd grown corrupt. They had dishonored God's name and his altar. They'd become rebellious and selfish, and they grieved his heart. God rebuked them for this, but only after he'd assured them first of his love, stating in today's verse, I have loved you. And he had numerous times and in so many ways. A quick perusal of the Old Testament from the time God called one couple named Abram and Sarai out from a pagan city to when he'd freed his people from 400 years of slavery and oppression to to all the times that he had rescued them from their enemies throughout the book of Judges. So many beautiful and vivid examples of his protective and attentive heart, but the people couldn't or wouldn't see this. How have you loved us? They replied, saying in essence, no, you haven't, thereby discounting. Every miraculous act that God had performed on their behalf, simultaneously downplaying his goodness and downplaying their sin, implying that they deserved more, that God should have done more, that he had been unfaithful to them, his beloved, when they were the ones who had acted unfaithfully to God. Now, I don't know how long the people remain loyal to God upon their return after captivity, or precisely when they began to stray. But I can tell you what led to their abhorrent, self-deceived state. Somewhere along the line, they'd stop tending to their hearts. Proverbs 4, verse 23 tells us to guard our hearts above all else, because absolutely everything else, our relationship with Christ and with others, our faith, our deep assurance in the truths of Scripture— Our ability to stand strong when life hits hard or disappointments come. Everything, everything flows from the condition of our hearts. So how do we do this? And especially how do we do this during times of waiting? Well, we seek God. We seek his perspective and his heart. And we seek him with humility, recognizing that we don't have all the answers, nor do we fully understand his ways or his timing. But we can know and we must trust his character And his heart. That is how we begin to protect and nourish and strengthen ours. Let's pray. Father, you have loved us with an enduring, eternal, never failing love. Thank you that you have proven yourself faithful in so many ways. Lord, waiting is hard, especially if we have been crying out for something that we long for deeply. It can be hard in our waiting to trust. It can be hard in our waiting to hold tight to truth, but we know that we must because that is where our peace, our joy, our assurances are found. That depth of peace that you want to give us is found in you and your truth. So when we wait, when we're frightened, when we're discouraged, whatever is going on in our hearts, may we turn to you. May we lean on you. May we seek you above all and may we seek and hold tight to your truth. We know that you love us. You have Proven the depths of your love when you sent your son to take our sins upon himself and die on the cross so that you and I could be reconciled so that we could have an intimate relationship. We love you and we praise you. It's in the name of your son, our Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Your Daily Bible Verse is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media.